The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached, they have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Are you ready for a miracle? Did you come here today prepared to see a miracle? Everyone loves a miracle, right? Well, I have good news for you. Today, right here, you are going to be given the opportunity to see one of the greatest miracles of all time. But first, let's talk about another miracle. Today in the first reading, we hear about the miracle of the manna in the desert. The Israelites, having just escaped from Egypt, were starving in the desert with no food in sight. And voila! In the morning, the ground was covered with manna, a honey wafer-like bread. Now, I just want you to imagine for a minute what it was like that first day the manna showed up. The Israelites had been complaining as usual. Why did we ever leave Egypt? We're going to starve out here in the desert. They were tired and hungry and worried. Then Moses tells them that God will rain down bread from heaven for them. And so he did. The next morning, the ground was covered with manna, and they were each able to gather enough to be filled. And it fell not for one day, or for two days, but for forty years. A mighty miracle indeed, and so significant that God had Moses collect a sample of the manna and preserve it alongside the Ten Commandments. But as impressed as they must have been on the first day, and the second day, and maybe through that first week. We see that it didn't take them 40 years to lose their appreciation for the miracle. It wasn't long before they tired of this miraculous bread, no longer appreciating the miracle, but annoyed by the lack of variety. But that's another story. We have a much greater miracle here today. While they got bread to eat, We start with bread, 
and we get the body of Jesus. We start with wine, and we get the blood of Jesus. The body and blood of Jesus, God himself, resurrected, ascended, and glorified Jesus. His body and blood in a form designed and specifically given to us to enable us to live forever. While for Israel, God rained down bread from heaven, for us, God himself comes down and does not simply provide our food, but becomes our food, our spiritual food and our spiritual drink with all the power of the universe, the power to do anything, but most importantly, the power to change our lives if we let him. For if the Eucharist did not contain the power to change our lives, to enable us to live forever, why would Jesus have given us this precious gift? God gave the Israelites manna to eat, and they believed because it fed them. But the Eucharist was not designed to feed us physically, to quench our thirst or satiate our need for physical food. It doesn't appear from out of nothing we eat and are satisfied. We know where the bread comes from. We know where we bought the wine. It is the change that we are all about. The change that occurs in the bread and wine. And the change that should occur in us. The miracle isn't that there is bread and wine. But body, blood, soul, and divinity. Would we appreciate this event as more of a miracle if the priest raised an empty paten or an empty ciborium and it came down full of bread? If he raised a chalice full of water and it came down wine, would we? Why in the world would we find that more impressive? God could fill this entire church and every one of our pockets with a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine, and it would mean nothing compared to what he actually does. There is no greater miracle than changing bread into Jesus, than changing wine into Jesus. Granted, if he made bread appear or changed water into wine, we could see the physical change, while we see this miracle only with the eyes of faith. But in those others, it still leaves us with simply bread and wine, just like the man in the desert, a means to answer our physical hunger, but not to achieve salvation. Jesus, the God of the universe, the God who created the world and everything in it, the God that is so awesome, so powerful, so big, and so wonderful, that those words don't even begin to describe him. This God that holds our here and now and our forever after in his almighty hands, out of his pure love for us, comes to us. Not symbolically, but actually, physically, materially, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, his Son. We know in faith and tradition 
that this is true, and the most brilliant minds of the church have believed it and taught it now for 2,000 years. But while all that was required of the Israelites to fully experience the manna in the desert was for them to go gather and eat, for us more is required. The full experience for them was physical. I'm hungry, I gather, I eat, I'm no longer hungry. Mission accomplished. For us, the mission won't be accomplished until we achieve eternal life. But that's not easy, because for us to take advantage of this tremendous gift requires some effort on our part. It is more than simply showing up on Sunday and approaching the altar at communion time. Now be honest, how many of you, when I started to talk about the tremendous miracle that was going to take place here today, your first thought was about the Eucharist? How many of us, as we drove to church today, were thinking, wow, I'm going to witness one of the greatest miracles of all time? Going through the motions with manna gets you fed. You don't have to believe it's from God. Don't have to believe it's a miracle or anything. You don't even have to know where it came from. It is, after all, simply physical bread with physical properties. Not so with the Eucharist. More than just physical body and blood, it is also spiritual food, and as such requires spiritual consumption, not just physical consumption. A spiritual disposition that fully realizes what we are receiving, who and what it is, and what that means. Simply put, It requires faith. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has a website, and on it there is a question and answer section that deals specifically with the question of the real presence. And one of the questions is as follows. If someone without faith eats and drinks the consecrated bread and wine, does he or she still receive the body and blood of Christ? The answer is, and I quote, If to receive means to consume... The answer is yes, for what the person consumes is the body and blood of Christ. If to receive means to accept the body and blood of Christ knowingly and willingly as what they are, so as to obtain the spiritual benefit, then the answer is no. A lack of faith on the part of the person eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ cannot change what these are but it does prevent the person from obtaining the spiritual benefit, which is communion with Christ. Such reception of Christ's body and blood would be in vain, and if done knowingly, would be sacrilegious. Reception of the blessed sacrament is not an automatic remedy. If we do not desire communion with Christ, God does not force this upon us. Rather, we must by faith accept God's offer of communion in Christ and in the Holy Spirit and cooperate with God's grace in order to have our hearts and minds transformed and our faith and love of God increased. End quote. Our appreciation, our experience of faith, is impacted by our expectation and our preparation. Do we grieve our sin and repent of it? Do we even recognize it? Do we fast in expectation rather than in compliance with a minimal rule? 
do we pray and meditate on and in anticipation of the mystery? Do we make time to worship and adore? Anyone can be wowed by the glitz of a dramatic, observable, physical change. This miracle requires ongoing conversion of heart, mind, and soul, utilizing our strength. The gift of the Eucharist is realized and recognized through the gift of faith, developed and matured through ongoing conversion, grace, obedience, and practice. But of course, since it's easier to recognize people we know than people we don't know, the first step in recognizing Jesus in the Eucharist is coming to know Jesus and his place in our lives. You know, my wife Mary and I are getting ready for a new addition to the family. We're going to get a dog. I held off as long as I could, but I finally gave in to my wife's wishes. So, in anticipation, we have been watching dog training videos. They explain how dogs are pack animals, and to properly train a dog, the dog must see you, the owner, as the pack leader. Not unlike the sheep see the shepherd. When we recognize and appreciate Jesus' full presence in the Eucharist, when we see him as our pack leader, our shepherd, the focus of our life, the focus of our day, changes. We don't rush through prayer to get to work or school. We don't grudgingly go to Mass because we are required to by the Church. When we see Jesus in the Eucharist and experience him coming into our lives, intimately present and a part of them, It changes the way we live, since the most important being in the universe is now a part of our daily life. This gift of Jesus' body and blood by which we are to obtain eternal life is not a one-time gift, nor is it a one-dimensional experience repeated over and over. It is more like a wonderful gift that you continue to open, and as you find one thing inside, you then discover there is more deeper in the box. And the deeper that we dig, the more we find. But there is always still more until we ultimately find ourselves in the fully realized, glorified, triumphant presence of the King, which is eternal life in heaven. You know, I never cease to be amazed by two things when I sit to contemplate the mystery of the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. The first is how awesome and wonderful it is that Jesus is truly present. And secondly, how historically poorly I have done in appreciating the first. The body we receive is not the same body that first offered the bread and the cup. For those hands were uninjured, that side was not wounded, and those feet were not pierced. The miracle forever linked to that as father to son, sacrifice to sacrifice. It is this same Jesus that performs this great miracle here today and at every celebration of the Mass. Today we heard Moses say words we most often attribute to Jesus when he responded to the devil's temptation. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
And the word that comes from the mouth of God to us today is this. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. For questions or comments on this podcast, email deaconjoe2017 at gmail.com.